You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. We're excited to be joined by Diaz Nardo, third baseman senior of the Delaware baseball team. Talk about the season so far. You guys have been on the road down south, Florida, and uh, in the Carolinas. Now you come back this weekend. You won't get started tomorrow. We got a little bit of rain weather on the way. But first of all, thanks for being with us. And just kind of let's start talking about you guys coming out of last season, because I think that was something that a lot of people who didn't follow your team uh, intently throughout the year really caught on when you guys made that run in the CAA tournament, won those four games, went to Texas, took on Texas Tech. Great experience for you guys not moving on that first round, but I imagine being able to face a really quality program. So going from last year into this season, what are some things you guys were able to take away from that tournament as you've entered this year? Uh, I just think last year <clears throat> we had a good uh, core group of guys and we really swung it well and pitched it well and this year we just gotta we gotta grind and we got a small ball team we gotta get guys over get guys in and uh just cut down on the strikeouts and stuff stuff like that and play good defensive ball and you guys lost a a number of players who do provide some of that high, high, high intensity offensive attack so I'm curious when this season began or even in the off season as you were getting ready for this season what did head coach Jim Sherman tell you guys as you're getting started about his expectations for all of you this year coming off of the CAA title? Uh, his expectations were, I mean, high for us just as they were last year. He wanted us to repeat, get back to working hard in the gym in the offseason and come back and just to teach the young guys coming in that we're still the top dogs in the, in the conference and get back to winning and the winning spirit that should be around here. And you talk about some of those younger guys coming yeah, in. Absolutely. Uh, Billy Sullivan is one of them who's, who's stood out. Uh, the freshman, he's had a really good impact. He's part of the rotation. Uh, who, what can you say about him and some of these younger guys that have joined your team this season? Uh, Billy, I mean, he's, he's got a big role for us. He's going to pitch on Sundays, and uh, I think he's, he'll be a good guy in the future, probably one of our aces in the future, so we really need him and a couple guys in the pen to show up uh, pitching the later innings for us as uh, we have Spad and Hinton, the two older guys, starting for us on uh, Friday, Saturday. So the younger guys can step up. We'll have the older guys that are, do their part. We'll be good. For our listeners who don't know, Sullivan was drafted by the Phillies out of St. Mark's, which is just up the street from us yep. here at Perkins. How much do you keep an eye on like those guys who you know you've recruited, but yeah. you know maybe they might not be coming to the program because they're going to go draft? How much do you keep an eye on that, and particularly with Sullivan? How much did you follow him before uh, he came in? When we were at uh, when we were playing last year, I knew – uh, coach Troy, our pitching coach, he uh, told us there was a guy coming in that got drafted from the Phillies, and I heard his name just throughout Delaware because I'm uh, from Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. So I know I knew of Billy, and yeah. I was real excited that he was coming in because I mean they were saying he's showing 92, 94. I was like, I will take him, <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. But uh, pitching or uh, hitting against him in the scrimmages, uh, I tell you, it's not too fun. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad he's pitching for us and not anyone else. We're talking to Diaz Nardo, third baseman for the Delaware baseball team. You've been in that position for a number of years now as there have been changes on this team. As a senior now who has been through this team in a season that I guess we could call it not as good as this past season. I'm talking a couple years ago. You guys didn't didn't make a run last year. A lot different. What do you try to do personally and with the team as well entering your final season? What are some of your goals individually and for the team? Uh, well, as a team goal, I just try to keep everyone Everyone locked in on every at-bat, uh, try to get balls in play, try not strike out as much as we have been striking out, and just tell the guys just to relax and just keep playing because we're going we're gonna to make a run this year. Uh, I honestly think we will. And uh, 
individually, I mean, just try to be a leader as much as I can as a captain and tell guys, I mean, if they're doing bad, doing good, just keep the same uh, mentality going no matter what. When you talk about trying to cut down on strikeouts, is there anything in particular that you key in on with your approach or mentally? Uh, just approach-wise, I mean, just trying to go opposite field, keeping your head on the ball, just like, I mean, just being simple, just keeping things simple, not trying to overdo stuff, not trying to overhit or anything like that, just keeping things simple. In the CAA, you guys typically go up against a number of – there's a lot of parity there in the last couple seasons. You know, you could get one per- – I mean, you look at what happened in the tournament. You went up against some teams that had been ranked higher than Absolutely. you on the season, and you took them down there, and you scored a lot of runs in that tournament. Have you had a chance to scout the CAA this year, and what adjustments or preparations are you guys trying to make entering CAA play in a little bit? Um, we have. I mean, since I've been playing here for, what, four or five years now, I know – of pretty much a lot of the kids on, on each of the teams and the kids are throwing. So we have like a scouting report on most of the teams and uh, they got and they, they got some good arms. Like last year we played some good teams, Charleston, uh, UNC Wilmington. They always have some good arms, Northeastern. But yeah, we, we, uh, we looked in, but when we play them, we'll get a better look at uh, the way they throw. We'll get a scouting report on these guys. We'll talk about the first couple weekends, you guys on the road this season. Charleston Southern, you took two of three to open up the year um, and then lost all three last weekend against Florida Atlantic. Now you come home, Dell State, this weekend. We'll have one on Saturday, two on Sunday because of the weather tomorrow. A little bit less scoring in those games. You mentioned it You mentioned it uh, off the open that you guys are going to have to maybe adjust the style a little bit. What needs to be done either defensively or with the pitching staff in order to win some of these games in which you may not be scoring as much as that game gets close, seventh, eighth, ninth innings? I think, to be honest, uh, our pitchers have started the year. I mean, they've done a tremendous job. I think as a hitting, as a whole, as a group, we need to just focus in, no matter who we're playing, Dell State, uh, Charleston, we need to focus in on just getting balls in play, not striking out, like I said, as much as we have been. I think we're averaging 13, 14 a game, which is too many. Uh, just putting balls in play, getting guys over, scoring runs. It's a long season. It's February now. You guys are gonna you guys are gonna go until May. Is there ever discussions in either before the season begins or during the season between your coaching staff and some of the everyday players like you guys in terms of hey we we might pinpoint this as a day to take off or we might take you know take this series and try to get some other guys in play. How does that work in terms of your typical starting lineup versus how your coaches have communicated? wanting to switch things around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our coaches, I mean, they tell us every game, no matter who it is, we gotta, we got to play to win. It doesn't matter if it's a midweek, uh, weekend series, CAA conference, or if we're even playing a regional room. Practice and play every game like we're, we're ready to work and ready to go after, after it. For those who don't know you, what's your approach when you, when you get up to the plate? You, you're a guy who has hit the ball with a lot of power. you got contact as well. Power, contact, yeah. you've been able to spread it around the field. When you go up there, what's your specific approach, I guess you could say, when you've got guys on base and when you don't? Uh, uh, some days it switches. Some days I'm not going as well, so i got to change it some days. But most of the time, fastball, right center, looking away. Uh, I mean, they're going to throw a lot of off-speed stuff to three, four, five hitters. So just trying to get balls into the gaps as much as I can, try to get RBIs and try to help our team. So- Go ahead. Go ahead, Jake. Go ahead. All right, so this is a, a team that has a, a nice chunk of freshmen and first-year players. How does your role as a veteran, I know we hinted on it a little bit uh, in one of the previous questions, but more specifically, how does your role on the field as a veteran kind of affect these new and young guys? Uh, like I, I talk to my coach, uh, Coach Sherman, every day, and he 
he just tells me to be a leader. Uh, I mean, every every pitch, every inning, keeping guys focused, keeping guys locked in on at bats. Uh, if guy strikes out, he's throwing his helmet, tell him to let's go, get on the field. Just stuff like that, little things that keep guys going throughout the day. Do you have any goals, baseball oriented or otherwise, kind of as you look forward past this season individually? Uh, individually, I mean, I would love to play professional baseball and uh, team goal for this year. I mean, I would love to repeat and go back and win again for my last year and go out uh, on top. Do you keep in touch with some of those guys who I imagine you do who who left the team after this year? We know Ron Marinaccio. I mean, he 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 moved on. He got drafted by the Yankees. Um, you know, some of these other players last year who were really quality offensive players. I think I'm thinking Jordan Glover and some of the other guys who graduated. How does the communication go if there is any after they're graduating and now you take on that that role that they were in this yeah. past season? Uh, I talked to Ron actually a lot. He was my roommate in college. Uh, I talked to him a lot about him him playing down there and getting ready for spring training. Uh, to be honest, I talked to him on Fortnite on Xbox. <laughs> Good game. Uh, but, yeah, I talked to him, and he he tells me all the time that just we got to, like I said before, he's, he's like, what are you guys doing striking out so much? I'm like, we'll figure it out. It's early. I mean, we don't get outside as much as we should, but we'll figure it out. So this in these six games down – on the road to begin, how much stock do you put into those? I'm thinking professionally speaking. They play, they go from oh. April to October. Crazy. So one or two games doesn't mean that much in the course. Of, and, and similarly speaking for you guys, you've got so many games. But coming out of those six games, did you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish down there? Or are there certain things you take and say, eh, we got to do a better job with these things? I think, uh, I mean, every game, we, you got to take away something if you want to get better. And uh, we got out there, we got to see some pitches, see some off-speed pitches that we uh, weren't used to seeing inside. But uh, I think down there, we got to see some live pitching. Uh, we got better. We're getting better. Our swings are getting there. We're starting to catch some barrels here and there. So I think if we just keep keep at it, and we'll, we'll get there. This is the first home weekend um, of the season. And Teddy, when you opened the segment, you played Cashmere, which always reminds me of Chase Utley. That's always been his walk-up song. So my question to you is, do you have a walk-up song that you're ready to uh, unleash this weekend? And if so, what is, what is uh, it? To be honest, my walk-out song, my uh, first year here was Cashmere. Okay. I'm a big nice. Chase Utley mm-hmm. fan, big Phillies fan, so honestly, that would be it. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. In the yeah. fall, you, you had... What was it? The super some superhero movie? Yeah, I, I don't mean to demean it, but you were really excited about it, and we were like, "Oh, we don't really care." You saw him, Batman, was, Batman, maybe. Why do I think it was Star Wars? Star, Star Wars, Wars, Star Wars. Wars yeah. You see, I'm all over it's the absolutely place. Absolutely disrespectful. I'm sure that's absolutely that disrespectful. Highest grossing. Absol- one of the highest grossing Stop. Movies some superhero Stop movie. Stop it. You're 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 at the board. Meet your own mic. Just <laughs> time out. Some super. All right, never mind. You, know, you saw like, that, right, Jake? Oh, I was like. The yeah. day I got home, I was. I think you were the only it. other one. Well, who Teddy, I'll, I'll, I'll back you up. I, I'm, it's a no for me, so I'll Yikes. back you up for next that. year. Yeah. Star Wars show. Fair is fair. I, I did turn my mic off, Jake. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> for, he for, did. For, I saw him. for just a few seconds. We'll see if we have time. We're going to be leaving on uh, Sunday and Saturday. We got a six thirty game Saturday night. Number seven, do, number seven Delaware. Number ten Elon. If the Blue Hens win. In that game. Oh, what time would that Sunday game? They would be playing six at 6 o'clock. Okay, so we won't overlap Team Nitty. That's good. Yeah. That's a great show, by the way. Yeah, yeah he's he's Sundays. I mean, we, we'll, we'll be preempting. I bet a... he's seen Black Panther. Yeah. Probably. And Star Wars. Yeah. And Star Wars. Well, and didn't just cool. call it a superhero movie. One of the best shows on 91.3. 
hands down. Second best show on 91.3. <laughs> I don't know. Reggae Sound Splash is in the running They're third. Me. They're yeah. third. I don't know if you've ever heard Team Nitty. Uh, Great oh, group it's, of guys. It's awesome. It's a fantastic it's group. Me, it's me. It's me. Yeah. It's the OG Nitty. He's sure, got, that can't be stopped, so it won't be stopped. He's got some... He's, hey, man, if you're listening to us, man, no, this is a caller song. No, we enjoy, we enjoy the show. We do. Um, and we thank anybody who listens to our show as well. Um, a, a podcast of tonight's episode can be found on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you'll hear about all of our topics. Lots of basketball, lots of different stuff. So, yeah, as we mentioned, if the Blue Hens men's team wins in that first game, they'll play... My, or Sunday at six o'clock, and then we can begin to talk later on. But they're going to go up against a very good team. Second round. Let's begin by talking in this sense. I know you, I, Jake, loves numbers because he's a math major. I do love numbers. Actuarial science. Actuarial sciences. Speaking of numbers, yeah. Uh, last show we had a lot of conversation, and I pleaded the point of um. Jacob Cushing, Sky Johnson. You didn't even, and you're not even going to let me get to my thing well, with numbers. Well, was that what you were segueing to? No. Well, because I want to get this out of the way first. Fine, go ahead. Because there was a lot of conversation about their minutes, and I think the clarification that I ran the numbers of all of their minutes per game before the Ryan Daly injury, during when Ryan Daly was out, and after the Ryan Daly injury. Before Daly got hurt, and this is not including any of the Kevin Anderson games that he is in, this is with no involvement of Kevin Anderson in any basketball games, the three players combined averaged just about 26 minutes per game before the Ryan Daly injury. That's all of their minutes added up. So that could include an outlier here and there. Without Daly... When when did Jacob Cushing return from injury? I included the game before Cushing returned from injury was the first game I started counting. Okay. Without Ryan Daly, their minutes per game goes up to 60 minutes per game, rightfully so. A player goes out, you need somebody to fill those minutes. With Daly coming back, you would assume their minutes drop back to their 26-point threshold. They didn't, and not by much. I don't want to say it went up to <laughs> it can stay at 60 minutes per game, but it went up to 34 minutes per game. So it was almost just about under a 10-minute increase per game for those three players combined. Now, three players combined, 10 minutes each, not a lot. But when you look at the numbers... Inglesby is using them more. So I just want to put that out there. It is not the drastic usage. Can we isolate Kyrie Walker from those three? If we take... Because because Jacob Cushing, his minutes are up, and he is a viable part of the rotation. Sky Johnson has been playing that, you know, 10 minutes a game. Kyrie played four minutes this week. I think if we look at Kyrie in specifics, he would just go straight down. I think... If we took yeah. the numbers out of this, I think all the numbers would be up more because the average, some of these averages are brought like down with like a, a two Cushing's here and there. Right. Shout out to Jacob Cushing for hitting that three against Drexel to make it a thirty-four point lead, and then and then lost subsequently it. losing. I'm just all saying that that's, and then and then whatever <laughs> happened happened. I just want to say he, 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 he hit the that. he hit the three to make it thirty-one to thirty-four point. I lead. also saw. Sorry, T- Teddy, I'm completely going off a tangent here, but CAA put out a video of like the best dunks of the CAA year, and I. Was For the vine? first time, saw Jacob Cushing's dunk that he it's, threw it's down. It's nice. It's really impressive. They left out Ryan Allen's dunk, which I really didn't like very much. The opening up, I think it was against Elon. Yeah, it was. How can you was... not like a dunk? You could just say that dunk's not as good as others, but a dunk is a dunk. I mean, but like if it's if it's just a dunk, it's like it's not good. But these guys if don't. It's just a dunk. But these guys don't don't dunk a lot. Right, but it's like if if there, if somebody hits a layup, you're like, okay, it's a layup. Well, Ryan Allen, Ryan layup. Allen's not that big. He dunked. Yeah, it was the first yeah. point Flushed on the board it. for yeah. Elon. Straight through the hole. Oh, I want to see that. Cushing's was 
from the corner. Yeah, cushions left was hand. nice. It, that's definitely on the the men's basketball I mean, page. I mean, it's I saw not it. it's not like NBA caliber. Wait, you, but you just for, said Ryan Allen's dunk was, really was very impressive. Oh yeah, he he split like three defenders okay. and then went all the way up. He exploded really to nice. the hole. It was good. Yeah, it was good nice. Okay. Huh. Interesting. First time he drove the basket this year. Yeah, he, because a lot of times he's he's back beyond the arc shooting. Mm-hmm. Allen, we're talking about way yeah. back behind the arc. Yeah, he takes a lot. I mean, if he can implement that as part of his game, yeah, that's the next thing for him. I think because like uh like I read about this week, he has the most three pointers made in a regular season all time for Delaware Blue Hen. So he that's his skill. That's what he's got. Forty percent from three this year. The next step is to be able to take it to the hole. So now they can't close out as strong on you because you can go right by them. And right now he hasn't at least shown us that he can do it. I think he has it in him. I've seen him warm up. I've seen him play, um, you know, right before games in practice. He's got the explosiveness, the first step. He just has to actually go to the hole and do it and then get that finishing ability. Maybe that's what he lacks because he hasn't shown us that he can he can do that yet, but he can certainly shoot. And I think it complements it well that we have Ryan Daly on the team who has shown that he can go through two, three guys on a drive and get to the hoop. And even as we've seen a lot in the past few games, especially the Towson and Elon, both Towson and Elon games, that Eric Carter and Anthony Mosley are working a lot better with Carter in the block and then Mosley doing back cuts and cutting down the lane. He had almost all of his points in this at Towson. Uh, underneath the hoop. And yeah, because he can't shoot. Yeah, well, no, that's fair. But to have Allen outside behind the three-point line who can shoot, and then to have Mosley with the back cuts and then Ryan Daly, I think it's, I don't want to say it's good that Allen can't, like, drive to the hoop, but it's good to have two players beside him that can right. kind of pick like up that It's void. not like they're lacking it. Yeah. Okay. Teddy, what you. was your original question that you were going to ask us? <laughs> I'm actually going to hold off on it for a little bit more because <laughs> I, I'd like to issue a public apology Ooh. about my criticisms earlier this year about Anthony Mosley because... What? I was with you be- from the start. I just want to say that. Well, this is what I'm not saying. Shout out, Chad. Not, not with you. I, 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 was, I was critical for a reason I believe to be correct, and I still think that at the time, it was the right thing to say, but I want to give him a little bit more credit because what he did in the final four minutes of Saturday's game against JMU... Two points, two blocks, assist, steal. No, no, that's wrong. <laughs> two points, two rebounds, an assist, and a block. No steals. But it's it's beyond the numbers. I don't want to get into this whole, oh, he's the heart and soul of the team. He's a senior. It was senior night. But what I'll say is he led the charge on a night when the team looked poised to blow it again. They were up... By six, seven points in the third quarter, JMU slowly creeped back. And to me, it looked like Delaware was going to lose it again. And Jacob Mid and I were going to go down to Charleston trying to find a bright spot, trying to find something. Well, there are some things that really stood out in that game, and he was one of them. And I think when you go into the tournament now, that the expectations are higher because he showed something. He showed not just somebody who can score, but he showed this attitude of getting guys involved and defending, and he shut down the two best JMU players in the final three minutes. So I was very impressed with that on Saturday. I think it's fair to say that and give him a lot of credit for that and for the leadership in that game. And I also think it's fair to say that in the coming years, this team and the program I don't think will miss him. Because one, one, Kevin Anderson, and two, just, you know, he's he's a good player, but I think on a great team, he should really be seven or eight and not be playing 30 minutes a game based on where his talent is. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Anderson's a guy who has the potential to be the 35-minute um, point guard of an elite team, You know, one of the top three scoring options on a team that is built to win the CAA. I don't want to say that the team won't miss him with him not 
being there. I don't think the team, when he leaves, gets particularly worse. Uh, I think, if anything, I think they might get a little better. Not in, in the sense that Anthony Mosley uh, really slowed the team down, uh, but with Anthony Mosley on the court, it almost seems when they run the offense that if it's not a Ryan Daly catch-and-shoot or a Ryan Allen catch-and-shoot, the ball is in Anthony Mosley's hands for a nice chunk of every possession because mm-hmm. he is kind of that facilitator role. So I think that there are going to be some times next year where I'm sure a lot of the players are even Inglesby is thinking like, uh, the, I wish we had Mosley here just to slow down the game a little bit, let, let my shooters relax a little bit. But to agree, I don't think the team is going to be marginally worse. I think the team might be able to get the ball in the hands of a Daly or an yeah. Allen more, and, they and hopefully move. they can make it work. Yeah, they can move it. With a guy like Mosley, if if you have like the team mindset of having four guards being all spread out and kind of like a shoot it or move it, like we think about what you see with like Mike D'Antoni and the Rockets in the NBA— that that works for Daly and for Allen and for Anderson, the guys who have that three point shot. But if you're Mosley, they're gonna leave you open on the perimeter, and to score, you have to dribble the ball in, um, which takes time off the clock, which stops the ball. It sticks in his hands sometimes. But with that being said, you do give him credit for shooting forty nine percent from the field this year and putting up ten points a game. You'll have to replace that production somehow. I just think that from a full team dynamic, they'll get better. Once Anderson, Allen, and Daly, that trio progresses, and Mosley will kind of just be a guy left in the And whoever past. comes in next year as a freshman as well. Right. Yeah. And what? on Saturday, were you going to say something else, Amit? No, I was just going to say, I mean, if this is also a Anthony Mosley tribute, farewell, whatever we're doing here, but you also got to give him a little bit of credit. He's, <laughs> it's he, a he pretty went, mean tribute. He still, <laughs> he still has games to play. Yeah, he went through also the, the Monte Ross era, the Inglesby era. He's been through a lot of lineups and, and a lot of players, a lot of faces has come and gone. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, even though you guys are kind of iffy about it. Well, we saw what he did in, in an important game on Saturday. And again, mm-hmm. if he could do that again, it's, it's quite a way to go out. And you talk about him, Jake, having the ball in his hands a lot towards the second half once they got back in it. They were sharing it more and more, so there was less of that, just him controlling the basketball. On to what I was going to talk about about 10 minutes ago, but it still, it still, still very much applies. Delaware's going to face Elon in the first game on Saturday night on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being none, 10 being a ton. How confident are you guys that they're going to win that first game? I'm going to go 9 here. Their last mm. game against That's- Elon... So you're picking them. You're yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm picking them. The last game against Elon was a very good game. Given Tyler Seabrook did not have a star-studded game, he did not shoot well. Elon did not shoot well out of the gate for that game in and of itself. But Elon kind of ran that Danian swoop, their point guard. He's quick, he's strong, but he got almost absorbed on the defensive end by Ryan Allen and some help from by Ryan Daly. Down low, Seabrook doesn't even play down low. He's more of that big three-point kind of shooter, kind mm-hmm. of drive, kind of five, six-foot shot. So Eric Carter bodied him when he was kind of down low. But outside, it was often Ryan Daly that was on him. And we've talked about it before. I've definitely talked about it, that that's not necessarily, even though he's bigger, not a hard matchup for Ryan Daly. He's a good, he's just a strong guy to go up against him. I think they match up very well. I think we might not have this high-scoring game. I would expect the game to be a little bit more low-scoring than it was last time they played. But I really do think that this Delaware team behind Daly, behind Allen, I think this team has a very good shot to be the Elon team. I'll go eight. I mean, nine's almost guaranteeing a win, but I, I'm gonna go number. I'm gonna go with 
a ranking of eight here because I like them to win. I'm picking them to win. I think that the Hofstra team last year that they beat in the first round was better than the Elon team this year that they'll play in the first round. So I like uh, I like the Blue Hens in this one. And Sunday, we'll see what happens with Northeastern, obviously. But uh, it'll be completely different. But th- this should be a win for the Blue Hens. I agree with you guys. I think that's a great point. They beat a Hofstra team mm-hmm. that I think had a lot more talent last yeah. year. I, I think, you know, on your scale, Teddy, probably a seven or eight. I think they're going to win the first game. You guys are confident. I'm going to get seven, eight, nine. I, what do you got, Teddy? Six. All right, six, oh, seven, six. Nine on the table. I, 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 you still, you still leaning that way. It's wide. more than it's more than I'm a little bit confident and a little bit not confident because just because they, you know, they could go out and and they could lay an egg and they could miss shots and Mosley could get in foul. I'm just throwing out all the possibilities yeah. here, and I don't want to get so overly hyped up and expecting a win because I think that would be misguided to suddenly expect a win just because they beat Elon, should have beat Drexel, and then beat JMU. All of these teams are not very good. And That's th- true. And, and we can see one different thing every time. So I'm kind of caught there. Yeah. What I will say, though, if they beat Elon and they go up against Northeastern in that second game, and if they beat Elon, not exactly convincingly, but if they beat him with a couple minutes to go and it doesn't come down to the final couple minutes... I, I think that Delaware does have a shot against Northeastern based on the way they played him earlier this hey, season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Northeastern was co-CAA champions? I don't... Correct. It was just a little interesting to me, I think. Uh, yeah, they're the number two yeah. seed, regular but season, they right. tied Charleston for the regular season title. But there's no, like, tiebreaker there? It when doesn't win the tournament. It doesn't really matter. I guess. And at the point. end, at the end of the it day, it doesn't yeah. really matter yeah. until the tournament. And remember last season. But who's? But then Charleston's number one, though, as far as seeding is concerned. Yeah. So it matters like the very slightest. A little bit, but but if you're the if you're the best, okay. So you get to play Drexler, Delaware. If you're the best team, you're you're the best. You can give me whoever. Give me any one of those bottom four teams. And last year, Delaware competed with UNC Wilmington. They competed. Absolutely, nine point loss with them. Daly dropped with thirty in that game. No, but he had a double-double in both okay. games. Do you think, real, qu- real quick here, games. do you think UNC, who's better, Charleston or, U- Char- this year Charleston or last year UNC Wilmington? Last year UNC I would Wilmington. Agree with I agree UNC with that Wilmington. too. They yeah. had four all-CAA guys on that team. Mm-hmm. Devontae Kaycock led the NCAA in field goal percentage. Denzel Ingram was the best point guard in the league. And yeah. then two elite wings in Bryce and Flemings, plus Jordan Talley off the bench, who this year could be an all-CAA selection. And they Kaycock's played leading in rebounds, Virginia the in the first round, who's number one right now or something, and they played him well. They played him well. Charleston's good. Grant Riller, as I was going to put in my piece when I thought the Blue Hens were going to play Charleston, I wrote that he has surpassed Daly as the best sophomore in the CAA, averaging 18 points per game, above 50% from the field. But Joe Cheely has really struggled this year, less than yeah, 40%. Yeah, I, have, I haven't really heard his name much. CAA on... preseason player of the year. Yeah. Um, Jarrell Brantley's great, too. But to me, they have two surefire all-CAA guys, and the Seahawks last year had four. Before we go to break, real quick, picks for the CAA tournament. Who do you got winning the whole thing? Do you want me to go round by round? No. Overall? You, give Delaware's run right here. What do you predict okay. Delaware going? And then who do you think is going to win the CAA? Delaware will beat Elon. Then they will lose to Northeastern. And then Northeastern, I believe they'd play the 4-5 game? Yes, they would. And they're going to lose to William & Mary, who is my pick to win it all. I agree for that. I think William & Mary is Ooh. the team that wins the CAA here. They have six more points per game than any other team in the CAA. They're averaging about 84 per game. I think Delaware wins Elon. I'll 
I'll throw it out there. I'll say we beat Northeastern because maybe if they do when we come back to the show, it sounds better that I say they beat Northeastern. I think it's a tough game, but I, d- I think they definitely beat Elon, and I think William Mary is a CAA champion. I'll just go with a safe pick here. I like them in the first round, but it'll be uh, early for them Sunday. I'll go with Charleston with the whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I got, I'm going to go Charleston too. Yeah. And I think Delaware will beat Elon. I think it's going to be very close, but I think they have what it takes. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. A report from Yahoo.com coming out late last week detailing federal documents through an FBI investigation in which a lot of high-profile schools and high-profile players, we're talking the Dukes, the Kentuckys, these kind of schools, involved in a number of instances in which they had either the coaches or agents working with the coaches, a few names that we'll get a little bit more specific in a moment, offering players things and paying for them. And basically this idea of pay for play, which the NCAA does not in, does not allow. So that happened. Then it later came out that Sean Miller, the Arizona head coach, was there was a wire, the FBI caught him wiretapping with the agent, Christian Dawkins, who I mentioned in the open, about um, trying to pay offer $100,000 to their top recruit. He denied it today, and he's coaching tonight. So all in all, guys, this, this is another large scale here context. This fits in, and we can connect it to, should college athletes be, pl- be paid? Because here they're getting paid. It's illegal. And Amid, you said it, what, like a couple months ago? This stuff happens all the time. It's just a matter of getting caught. And now these people got caught. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll put my input in on this first. That's exactly what it is. And is it going to continue to happen? Absolutely. It's just a matter of getting caught and at what level. Now, I mean, obviously there's FBI getting involved and, and you know, uh, kids and students are, you know, kind of reevaluating their decision. We saw Sharif O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal's son, um, pick up his Arizona commit and go to UCLA. Now he'll be playing basketball at UCLA next year. So, uh, again, it, it'll get better, but... Better isn't um, like a solution. It's not problem solved here. So this is still going to continue to happen. And as far as Sean Miller is concerned, I mean, look, this guy's guilty as anything. And I, I would love to see this whole play out because this is going to take a while. Look, it's going to take a few months. It might even take a year or two. But um, as this play out, you guys eventually will be able to see um, how corrupt the NCAA really is. And I haven't been a fan of the NCAA um, for the past few years. Yeah, I love March Madness and I I love... Uh, college basketball or any basketball at the collegiate level, but it's corrupt. And NBA players have spoken on it, NBA coaches. And, I mean, LeBron has, I think, a guy from going from high school to NBA straight has spoken on it. So check out also his comments if you haven't already. But, again, a corrupt, another corrupt industry in the United States just getting called out. So I think it's – I'm honestly enjoying all of it. I hate to say it when people's, you know, lives – and livelihoods are at risk, but I'm enjoying every second of this. Well, you guys both referred to it as a problem, and I think that's a point of view that you can choose to take, but I don't know if everybody looks at it as a problem to pay college athletes. Essentially, that's what they're doing, just outside the rules of the NCAA. So that's what you mentioned, Teddy, as the larger context is, should this be allowed to happen? Right now, it's obviously against the rules, and all of these different teams and coaches will be penalized according to those rules as this investigation continues, and that's what should happen based on what the rules currently are in the NCAA. But the larger question is, should these continue to be the rules in the NCAA? You also... Should, oh, sorry, I didn't just, want to I was just going to say, and should players like DeAndre Ayton, who, who's the biggest guy in this, getting $100,000 reportedly, 
from Arizona, should that guy be able to go into the free market um, and kind of solicit offers from teams and get paid? Yeah, and I think you're seeing a lot of extremes here. And I think what one side of the extreme is DeAndre Hayden, who's making who made a hundred thousand dollars and got paid to play. But then you see other players and from other schools. And just reading through a lot of the articles, I've picked up a bunch of names. You can look at like uh, Diamond Stone, who is the perennial cornerstone for Maryland. Why'd you you just call him a cornerstone? Well, for for at the time. (laughs) No, no, I'm not criticizing the idea of him being good, but his name is Diamond Stone, and you said he's the quintessential cornerstone of their franchise. Yeah, I planned that from the beginning. (laughs) Um, He was looked at as going to be that, okay, Mellow Trimble graduated, now we have Diamond Stone. He got paid just under, it says here, 14 or something thousand dollars. You have two extremes and two sides of the coin. Does it make the one hundred thousand more right than the fourteen thousand? Does it make the fourteen thousand more right than the hundred thousand? No, but I think that all of the big talk going on is about this DeAndre Ayton, one hundred thousand, and then these other players that are making close to three, like six figure numbers. But there, like Ahmed said, there's a I can guarantee a bunch of players that are just getting like a thousand here. Well, and a hundred thousand for DeAndre Ayton is a bargain. It's a steal. For his to what he's going to yeah. get paid in the NBA I was say, next he's year. top three guaranteed. Yeah, in, he's going to get his rookie NBA. contract, and then he's yeah. going to be right up, right up at the top there, assuming that his talent yeah. remains the same. Yeah, but he, I mean, he's obviously not everybody's familiar with all these prospects. He's going to be a top five pick in the NBA. Um, yeah, so he's going to get whatever the slot is for his contract there. But the, you know, the question kind of remains: Okay, should should he be able to earn more than that for his abilities? At this level, and even to me, it's a little bit surprising that you see somebody like Markel Fultz get ten thousand yeah. dollars. I mean, if if right. Aiton's getting a hundred thousand, Dennis Smith Jr. is getting over forty thousand. How come Markel Fultz ended up with ten? A guy who was the first overall pick last year, justifyingly so, a first round pick too, the first overall based, pick. Yeah, based yeah. on what he did in his college career. Obviously, yeah. it's taken a turn in the NBA. But if we evaluate this based on where he was up to last June. I mean, you would think that he'd be making more money. So I feel like there's still stuff to come out in this. Shout out to the disconnect. to the few select current NBA players who got like a thousand, like you mentioned, Jake. I mean, you could have gone up in the stands and won a fifty-fifty raffle worth more than that. In a half court shot. I don't yeah. know what the thousand, what they were thinking. I think Kyle Kuzma was like nine thousand, and he went in the first round. Like I don't understand. Was it? I guess you just was, and he was there for three years. So I'm not sure again what some of these players were also thinking. When accepting some of this money again, allegedly, I don't want to. Uh-huh. I don't want to say I mean, they definitely were. Like but, you said earlier, though, Ahmed, yeah. is it surprising to any of us that this is happening and that this has no, been happening? Absolutely not. Yeah. Is it acceptable? As I word this, as I'm talking out loud here, should these players who know this is against the rules, but it's the way that the league has gone in this matter? How much, if all? If if any bit, should these players be punished? I mean, you, you, we'll put ourselves compared in, to the schools because we're just talking. We mainly have talked schools. Hypothetically, the the shoes of eight in here when they would most likely sit down, and I don't know how these conversations go, but it would be most likely you're going to get this X amount of money to play basketball for this X amount and with us and that kind of thing yeah. and those semantics. It takes it's going to take a lot from a player to say one that's wrong. To say no to all that money because they're coming into it. They know that I would assume he knows he's a talented player and he can probably play at most colleges. And if he doesn't know, somebody else is telling him. Yes, I think yeah. some people know that he's a very talented player. So I don't know 
it's it's hard to put a lot of blame on these players because for a big college organization to say, okay, we're going to give you this money, it, it almost kind of seems normal for a big college organization to well, be giving you this money. Also, number one, um, you can't accept $100,000 and not declare taxes on it. So number one, you're in trouble with the IRS because I don't think DeAndre Ayton went to his um, – Certified accountant and was I don't like, think he's hey, handling wanna... money at all. I think somebody else is doing his taxes. Yeah, and with that being said, that's that becomes an IRS issue, and and you don't want to mess with the IRS now. So again, do I blame some of these players for trying to make the most out of their one year or whatever their college experience is? Not necessarily, but you there are some things that are still illegal, and not declaring that is illegal. Even nine thousand. If you were one of those guys who made nine thousand. You have to you have to declare that. You can't just, you know, yeah. keep money stashed up under your mattress. It doesn't work like that. I agree with what both of you guys said. I'll bring up another point in that let's say you are DeAndre Ayton, you accept this money. What's the NCAA gonna do to you now? Yeah. What do they if they suspend you for the rest of the season, you're still gonna be a top five NBA pick. Kyrie Irving was a top pick and he didn't yeah. play his yeah. entire freshman year. He was a top pick based on what he did yeah. in high school. There are other players that you know, are picked based on what they've done in Europe, not necessarily what they just do in the NCAA when they're a freshman. Michael they're being Porter scouted. Jr. Exactly. They're being scouted when they're a sophomore, junior, senior in high school. So if you're Aiton, what, I mean, maybe the tax thing is separate from this, but from the NCAA perspective, you take the money, either one, nobody finds out about it and you get $100,000, or two, they find out about it, you're suspended, and you're still going to be the number yeah. three overall pick next year and get $5 million and play out an NBA career. Do you think, like you just mentioned, that some people are getting scouted not even in college, and the first one that jumped to mind was Zion Williamson for me? Yeah, I mean, they're all, I mean, all these guys yeah, if, that we're talking Zion about. Zion Williams is do we, almost a lock for the number one pick. Yeah, no, I think that's a definitely a fair yeah. assessment. But do we think that this has already hit Zion Williamson? Like, do you think he has had calls or discussions with people in the Probably. NCAA sphere? And, and I, has don't, been... I don't have any inside right. information, but... It's not crazy to think that one schools have been contacting him probably up until now. They probably, I mean, you think maybe they'd stop. I don't know. Maybe they don't. Um, and then shoe companies too. There have to be a lot of shoe companies. Oh yeah, because he's him. he's a unanimous one. It's crazy, crazy to see thing. how the NCAA is already shrinking. I mean, I mentioned Michael Porter Jr. earlier. This guy is number five on most draft boards. He hasn't played a single collegiate game, and it, they're almost getting the. Uh, the FBS, FCS, or FBS, I should say, treatment of don't even bother to play. You're going to go number five anyways. And and back when it used to be, let's you know, let's get these guys in here for three or four years. Now the NCAA is definitely shrinking, especially amongst these scandals. It's it's shrinking on top of that. Well, also because you know that yeah. the best players are going to play one year in in college basketball. I mean that's that's been a a, a, a pattern for years now, but. That idea of the NCAA clearly in a crisis right now, and it all comes back to the idea of these players are very good. They're going to be drafted very high. They are playing for high-profile schools. They are effectively, I put it in air quotes here, <laughs> leading to TV deals and and market and, and merchandise and concessions and all of this stuff. And that's the, the core question here is should they get any of that back? And if they're not going to get it back legally, they and the school have resorted to to this kind of back channel, which is illegal by the NCAA. And there are two organizations that can answer that question. One, the NCAA could come forth and say, you can now pay athletes. I find that highly unlikely to happen anytime soon. Or the NBA could change their rule about one and done and could accept players right out of high school. 
if if that happens, there's going to be a vast decrease in both uh, players and talent in the NCAA because after all these scandals and after all this goes on, not that it is fully going to dissuade the players like we talked about how much blame do we put on them, but with the opportunity to just go high school to M- like straight to the NBA, you're going to get the players like your Zion Williamsons, like your Michael Porters, and I know he's not in high school right now, they're just going to go straight to the NBA every time. Well, that's that's a good question that's raised now. Does this affect the NBA in a negative or positive way or no- nothing? I don't think it's nothing. Hard. Assuming no... Um, sanctions are placed on the players. Yeah, not not to just throw it, but, but even then, Marco like, Fultz. Like, what are they going to do? Yeah, he's in the NBA. Right. Like, I was just going to say he's out. He's not any longer. Uh, the only time something would happen yeah. is if this was something through the FBI. If we went out beyond, sure. if we went beyond the yeah. NBA True. or the NCAA, True. and and the FBI said, "Hey, this is illegal," and therefore. We're going to like, prosecute you, but, but how are you going to do that with this many just, people? And isn't it also against the NCAA rules? Is it is it is it illegal in like a federal? Like I'm I'm seriously asking this yeah. question: Is it illegal in a federal like circumstance for Marco Fultz to get ten thousand dollars from somebody, or is it just illegal in, within the NCAA? Is is, is it just is it an NCAA rule? I don't think there's a the federal difference. rule that right. says you can't pay this bas- so, basketball so players he, money. You know, these guys maybe. They they do they break the rule as a freshman, but once they're out of the NCAA, can anything happen to them? I don't know that answer. Well, this is again to go off of this. The FBI investigation that led to this story from Yahoo is working. It, it is it is investigating mainly the inner workings of N, former NBA agent Andy Miller. So so I believe, and I want to know if I'm if I'm saying this incorrectly because it's a very tricky situation that he's under investigation, and that as a result of that, they found all of this. So maybe this guy can be charged if he's doing something illegal that an agent cannot do, but can you just go forward now and charge all of these players? I don't know. And that's where it gets real tricky. I'll put it this way. If Aiton wants to just wait a little bit, he'll be making 10 to $15 million a year. You can afford really good lawyers with that money. Just wait it out, Aiden. You're listening to the Blue Hen Sports Cage podcast. I want to go to, uh, Brandon, your cage rage about James Harden. I saw something online yeah, that, talk I, about that, that I, I just want to read out after his the Trouble. destruction of Wesley Johnson. The Wikipedia page was instantly updated, and I'd R. like R. to read you read you a short segment on what happened here. And given that most of the information here is false and it's a joke, but I think it's important. <laughs> nice. Thank you for the discussion. Uh, it says, Wesley Johnson, born July 11th, 1987, is an American professional basketball player for the Los Angeles Slippers of the National Basketball Association. Johnson died on February 28th, 2018, after James Harden cooked him and put him in a body bag. He could could not be rushed to a nearby hospital as his ankles were glued to the ground. Wesley's funeral will be held in the secret tunnel that Chris Paul used to get into the locker room. People are too quick. Did you see that they taped off the tunnel? They taped off the tunnel. They wouldn't let you in. If you forget, Clippers Rockets, last time we got amazing theater out of this game, too. This matchup. Let let me just say, that the, um, the... Specific move was so nasty that I watched yeah, it. it. I watched it. No, I travel watched it, or not, it's it's a great play. I, I watched it thirty times, and you know, and then I started thinking, oh well, the Mark Jackson or whoever I think it was Mark Jackson was was commentating and he was talking, and he immediately just stopped his conversation <laughs> and he said, I don't even know where to begin. He, it, well, was it, it Breen who was like, and he looked at him. It was so. What was the Rockets call? The guy had a joke oh, about no, no, three something. He's like, and he clean said up on aisle many, three. Yeah, he said it, it six times. The first time. Yeah. And then he killed his own like, joke. Aisle three. Like, aisle three. Because it, it's a radio call. Yeah. So, 
so Harden steps back. Clean up on aisle three. If he just left it there, Harden knocks down the shot. Yeah. It would have been amazing. But he said yeah. it four other times afterwards. He's so pumped up. They're asking <laughs> LeBron and Bede and IT about it. That's that's pretty funny. I want to say. You have to pay you, gotta get, you gotta get Embiid's opinion. They on have this. dubbed this with the Titanic soundtrack of My Heart Will Go On. And See, in any I, I don't get that. In, I don't think that's funny, the Titanic there, thing, in a, it, in a in an aside. I don't. I don't you, understand. Oh that. come on! When you no, watch like it's those not late that game dramatic. Field the goals. music's not yeah, that dramatic. Well, yes, Jake, but it's different than that. When when Stefan Diggs ca- caught the ball yeah, yeah, yeah. and ran to no, the end zone, that was this, di- this. This you want like a a, a beat drop? They that's labeled, what you want for this. Okay, no, but that's why I think it's funny because it's just so out of place. Sure. Song, okay. Sure. And they well, have. I guess it, when it's when he hits the actual three, which was also very impressive. Yeah, that's you have climax. Yeah, I just I just listened to it. I kind of that's why I just hit my head. He takes so much time to look at him. If he missed the shot, so. Would not have the same effect. And so I think we take we take for granted the fact that he made the three. Everybody, yeah. right, oh, he didn't. Right. That's we, it. I mean, it's still a highlight if he misses, but it won't live on for the twenty years that it's going to live on for. And, right. If and he you look it. at you, and I mentioned this earlier in the in the pre-show meeting, but Kemba Walker also had one of the most disgusting crossovers. That's different. He was playing against the guy that. Couldn't move his hey, feet. Crossover is a crossover, but he, he airballed it. He airballed yeah. it. So I don't know if you you give him that, but again, just so much highlight reel. But this is, I think, hands down, play of the year. And well, did you see Kai? Not to say that this would beat it, but Kyrie yeah. on Kemba yeah. hours before mm-hmm. had what could be in the highlight reel of the year. Yeah. But then obviously James Harden killed it. But he he picked up his dribble. He's at the elbow. It's about he a turns second in shot clock, to yeah. Walker, turns back away, turns back into him, and somehow gets space to knock down a turnaround shot from the elbow without a dribble. I don't know how he faked out Kemba, but that was an amazing play. But then yeah. obviously the late game on the West Coast, James Harden. Serious question here. If if you're Wesley Johnson in this situation, retire. And, like what 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 do you do? You retire. How do you come back? Like they, there was instantly like <laughs> the Bleacher Report notification was um like breaking news Wesley Johnson quits basketball after James Harden ends you his career. To. Like he he laughed it off on the defensive end, yeah. and you have to laugh it off. I appreciated just... that, but he's got to retire. There's there's a video on ESPN that I'm watching right now on the computer here, titled "The Absolute Nastiest NBA Crossovers Ever." I made you're watching it with me too on the screen. Yeah, I I think Harden. I think Harden. <laughs> I think Harden. Brandon and I are visualizing it through the board. They're on the other side of the studio. I think Harden's is great. Some of these are better. I, uh, oh, there has to be a Jamal. AI. Yeah. AI. AI. We, we just saw that double pump. He got him twice. Like there has to be a Jamal Crawford. Um, I don't know. Even even Curry, even Curry on Chris Paul was was up there. Oh, that's that up there too. That was filthy. Now we're looking. We just passed also Irving in the rookie sophomore game on Brandon Knight on the human highlight reel. Brandon Knight. I feel like I feel like you got to get credit for real in game though with the real in game intensity. I think this was just so much more impactful because of the stare down. Like yeah. he knocked him down. The stare down. Gives it wasn't it a like extra. he held the ball at shooting but, height and stared at him. He put the but, ball to his hip, looked at him dead in the eye. Yeah. Waited until help came from the Clippers defense, and then shot. And the yeah. way that Johnson went Tio down, he, the didn't, he didn't lose his balance and then fall. He just went straight down. He like he just kilted over. It, like I've never seen a guy just like ankle give out and just fall the way he did. Like when MJ gets crossed up by AI, he slips back, but he doesn't 
fall to the ground. Chris Paul falls, but he kind of stumbles his way back. Teddy oh, and I, I are literally just watching this. He, hold on, he smiles. Do you see Johnson this? Honestly, Johnson? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah what you Jake have was to. Just saying. You have to laugh it out. You can't walk how- it and be like, oh, man. <laughs> you got to laugh it out. You just got beat by one of the best players in the NBA. Like, yeah, laugh it off. Disrespect timer. There's a timer for how long? <laughs> 2.3 seconds disrespect. Oh that's two seconds too oh long. Me and Ted are literally watching this on a loop right now while we're doing this. Yeah, Brandon and I aren't, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> this is amazing. The, there's a disrespect timer. Imagine staring somebody for almost two and a half seconds. Like Tom Brady could throw three passes. In two and a half seconds? That's long. <laughs> That's long, two and a half seconds. Wow. Amazing.